0: Welcome to episode 148. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I'm excited to be doing a solo cast all about multi-passionates, which of course are people who just want to do all the things and have a hard time choosing just one path for their life and expertise. And super excited for this show. It was a topic that was requested by... Listeners and two coworkers. <laughs> so thank you, Nicole and Mandisha. Nicole for asking me to talk about these topics, and Mandisha for your support. I just I love that you both listen, um, and that you talk to me about it at work. I am just back from Atlanta, Georgia last night and I was there to go to the Women Work and Worth Conference, which was put on by Mavenly. It was a full Friday, Saturday, Sunday event and so much fun. Started with happy hour on Friday. Uh, I got to hang out with uh, my friend, Laura Heacock, who is one of the She is one of the CLCC coaches, and I have an exciting announcement about that in just a minute. And we also had dinner with Michelle Ward and Tiffany Hahn and Laura Sims, who are, of course, people who've all been on the show. You can go find links to those in the show notes. It was really special to get to meet Tiffany and Laura because I had not met them in person before. Uh, We also had tacos for dinner together with our new friend Maria. And then Saturday was a full day of programming, uh, which included an amazing opening keynote from Jess of Headbands for Hope, which was really inspiring. So many inspiring women entrepreneurs that were there dig in and talk about business and starting a business and, and what their world looks like. It was really inspiring to be around that many people who are so like-minded. And then Sunday was hip-hop yoga and brunch and more networking. And it was just a really nice weekend. One of the big announcements around here is that my friend Laura Heacock and I. She is of Kind Over Matter. And she was a recent friendpreneur on the show. I can link up to that in the show notes as well. She and I, ooh, you guys, we just launched joyandkindness.com, and we are a firm working together, the two of us, to bring more joy and kindness to corporate America, knowing that when people feel they are valued and appreciated and heard, uh, that they do better work, and it impacts the bottom line. You can find out more at joyandkindness.com. If you're new and we met at Mavenly, I am so excited that you are here and delighted to be sharing this topic that actually got talked a bit about at uh, Mavenly over the weekend. We talked a fair amount because, of course, Michelle Ward and some of the other coaches that were there work with people who are multi-passionates. And the topic of what does it mean to be a multi-passionate, how do you find the thing that you want to do when you've got all the ideas in your head, came up quite a bit. So it, it honestly is just by coincidence that this was... The episode that I had already recorded and I'd waited to do this intro until after I got back and that was on purpose but was <laughs> so fun that I know Leslie and I for example spoke about this topic on Sunday and so it's just a really nice tie-in to some of the discussions that were being had over the weekend. Uh, if you want to find out more about this topic and read the show notes that I've been referencing you can go to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash multipod m u l i t i p o d and there's going to be more info there. And you can find another 147 episodes at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Lots of things about how to find your joy and friendpreneur series about people who are entrepreneurs and my friends and how we see the world in business. So, um, I'll put a link to that too, especially if you're over from Mavenly and wanting a little more inspiration of, of that nature. It's all right there. So let's jump right on into the show. So this topic is multipotentialites and expertise. The original format for this was an in-person event. So I'm going to modify it a little bit. So you guys listening in your car, because I know you are there, or maybe those of you who are doing something else, some gardening or whatever, listen along. There is also a worksheet that goes with this episode that will help you gather your thoughts, but I'll try and do a decent job of presenting this in a format where you can do something else while you're listening and then come back to the exercises. The general idea here is that we're going to talk about what makes a multipotentialite or multi-passionate, a scanner, a renaissance soul. There's so many names for what we are. And then how, when you have so many different and varied interests, how can you also own your expertise in a topic? Because I think that is something that is hard to understand when you like all the things. And there's two exercises that will be blended in. And like I said, I'll try and walk through them so you can mentally follow along. And then I really want whenever you can to go download that worksheet to do so and dig in a little bit deeper. So who the heck am I is where I started when I was speaking in front of the live group that this was originally presented for. Many of you know me as a life coach. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm also a project manager and have been for 20 years, which seems unbelievable to me. Some of my other interests, I love to take photos. I've done improvisational comedy in front of live audiences. I've been a retreat leader for many years, which is actually what then led me to becoming a life coach. I've been a camp director. (laughs) I worked at a shoe store. Like, not only is my employment background varied, but here we get into kind of the multi-passionate portion of this. As many people who are multipods, which is short for multi-potentialite, which is the same thing as multi-passionate, as many of you guys can probably relate, when, you ha- when you're when you a multipod, you have lots of different interests. And the true marker of being a multi-potentialite would be that you find yourself interested in one thing, say that's painting or drawing, or maybe it's, you know, maybe it's psychology. It could be any topic. It doesn't have to be what would generally be called a creative topic, but you're you kind of obsessed with it when you start. You want to learn all the things about it, and you probably dive really deep into that topic and then get what you need out of it. And the thing that's super interesting about that trait of a multi-potentialite and that I've found for myself is it means you probably, if you're like me, jump from topic to topic. So I like photography and I bought myself a nice camera so that it could take pictures. And then it kind of got to a point for me where maybe I thought I was going to become a photographer, but then I learned as much as I needed and then I didn't go any further than that. Now, the interesting thing for many people who are multipotentialites and have this habit of big interest in something, learn as much as they need. The flip side of that is that in what I would call a specialist society that values people who are specialists, sometimes people who are multipotentialites and who jump from topic to topic, get labeled as flakes or maybe you've heard the question of you always seem to be starting these new things but you don't do anything with it you know and i think that's super hard for those of us who are multipotentialites but i think there's an upside to it as well which we'll get to in just a minute if we go back to my own life for a moment after that kind of long history of i've got lots of interests i like to dive kind of deep in them figure them out and then do something totally different. It was around 2009 that I came across this title of multipotentialite. And it first came to me, I believe it was from Emily Wapnick who who has of course been on the show. I think it's three or four times at this point and I will link up to all of those conversations cuz she is a powerhouse in the multipotentialite world. I came across her website which is called puttylike.com also in the show notes. And that's where I started learning more about this kind of a mindset and this kind of a, what, a personality or a type or a leaning, which is that there are many of us who don't have just one true calling. And many of us that have a multitude of interests, that then sometimes it feels like it's hard to get a career or a job or whatever out of all of those interests. Now, the good news is if you are a multi-potentialite, you probably do have lots of interests. The other really great news that I've discovered about this is that you also have this amazing superpower of taking each of those individual interests that you love so much and crafting them into to something brand new that's probably never been done before, right? So if you love photography in Italian, I don't know Italian, but maybe you're crafting up something brand new that brings... I don't know, part of the Italian culture to life in a new way through photography, right? Like, And you wouldn't be able to get there without having had the experience that you had with both of those separate things. And so I think that's the really interesting thing about multipotentialites. Some of the other really interesting, some of the other really great superpowers that come out of being a multipod, and I like to highlight these because if you are new to this idea of It being something that, you know, is a reality in society that there are many of us that don't have just one true calling that you probably would love to hear that these superpowers, one of them I just talked about, which is idea synthesis, that you're like creating something new out of ideas that you're coming up with and that you've experienced out of these multitude of interests that you have. You probably are also a rapid learner and that when you get excited about a new topic or when it piques your interest, You dive deep and you learn super fast. And I think that's an asset in any team and any group setting because you can become really well-versed in something quickly. You're probably also comfortable, if you've thought about it, you're comfortable about being a beginner in a situation, right? Because in order to begin those deep dives on topics... You have to be okay with starting from scratch. And I think a beginner's mindset is also a great gift to have because it means, you know, once you're comfortable with it, that you're not feeling like, I don't know enough. It changes a new pursuit. The shift there for your mindset is, I'm just learning. And then it makes everything possible. I think multi-potentialites are more likely to see the possibilities and things than shutting down a new idea, either for themselves or for somebody else even. Because they are more comfortable with sitting in that beginner space. You're probably also adaptable because you know that the more that you learn, the more that your base of knowledge grows. And so it's exciting to try out new things. You're probably good at big picture thinking and you're probably a great, you're probably really great at relating and translating things, right? Because you can see the patterns in what seem like disparate topics. But you can see the patterns because you've studied more than just one thing. What I love after you kind of know some of these superpowers that come with this multipotentialite personality is that it really is a very different, possibly parallel, but different path than what we get taught so often in school, which is that very linear or very specialist mindset. So in school, we're often taught that there is a path and it is a singular path that you learn this and then you take these classes and then you become XYZ, right? That it is that singular path. But when we look in history, people like Michelangelo and probably a lot of other people who you know as great Renaissance thinkers, they studied physiology and physics and astronomy and all these other things that are probably considered fairly disparate. They are definitely not of a specialist nature to have studied and gone on a deep dive on all of those, but that's where new inventions come from, right? And so why are we not talking about what a multipotentialite is? I think it's because it's a relatively new way of thinking about things, at least in today's society, right? It was expected and accepted in the past that people might have this great breadth of knowledge that they could bring to a topic. But anymore, probably, you know, if you go back in history, even like with the Industrial Revolution and the need to be able to create a specific path for things, that's when specialists became very prized. And it is super helpful. Like, one of my past jobs (laughs) as a true multi-potentialite was I worked at a retirement call center. And so it was helpful as a specialist in that role to have a deep knowledge of retirement plans and the services offered so that I could speak in a really intelligent way with brokers and people that were shareholders. I even got a series six license so I could sell mutual funds. So there's a deep dive, right? There's a specialist. And that was even the title there, Retirement Plan Specialist. It comes in super helpful when you need someone that is considered an expert too. In that field, that was valued. And so that was the way that I went. Now, of course, that wasn't then my linear path. I took what I learned there. And now I've worked in credit unions as a project manager. I've worked on several financial accounts like Visa as a digital project manager in marketing. And I have that basis that I can pull from as a retirement plan specialist who could have sold mutual funds. It comes back into play because I understand the larger ecosystem of the financial world by doing that. And probably if you go back and look at your own history, you'll see, even though it feels like maybe you've jumped from interest to interest or different kind of job to different kind of job, that you're synthesizing all that stuff you learned in the past into the future or into the now and for the future as well. So I think it's really interesting when you start to think about multi-potentialites And why it is a powerful thing to be, and it also hopefully starts to answer some of the whys that have popped up when you're when you're wondering why am I so interested in this one topic, and then I jump to the next one. It's because you love all the things, and you are a multi potentialite. One of the things we had a recent, I had a recent guest on Violetta Nedkova, and I met her through Emily Wapnick. Violetta is another multi-passionate, and she calls herself a rebel creative, which I love so much because it embraces that mentality of loving all the things and not feeling like you have to be bound to one of them, right? And she said something in the episode just a couple weeks back, actually, where she said her description of being a multi-passionate was, looking for the pieces of the puzzle of our lives and seeing the picture slowly come together as we discover new things. And I loved the freedom that this description of being a multi-passionate had, because if we see each of those interests that we have as a piece of discovering a piece of our larger puzzle, it feels so freeing that we're just slowly uncovering that larger picture of who we are and what our purpose is. And it feels like it's meant to be instead of possibly if you subscribe to that specialist mindset, it feeling like there's something wrong with me or why can't I do it like my friend that became a doctor? Like, why don't I just think that way? And it's because you think a little bit different and if adopting this idea of what I'm doing here is uncovering the pieces of what makes me, me and shows the larger picture of my purpose on this planet. Oh, I just like, you know, it felt like a balm to me almost to see those words or hear those words and see what it could mean, right? Like the playing around with each new topic is actually an exploration and a discovery, and it's leading me to my bigger purpose. And it's giving me new ways of thinking that helped me hone my craft here. And I just love it. So the link to that episode will be in the show notes for Violetta Nedkova. And I'm guessing that if you've heard that quote, that you think that way and feel that way. And I, I really hope that it resonates with you the way that it did with me. The next step here, now that we've talked about what is it to be a multipotentialite, and you heard me talk a little bit about understanding my patterns of the past, Of how did it relate when I was a retirement plan specialist to me as a podcast host? Look, I just, I just used that as a reference point. That, that history just showed up here as an example, but it also comes into play in my day to day work. I can understand how people who approach something complicated understand. I mean, how they feel when something seems too hard for them to comprehend, like a retirement plan, they're complicated. I created a really great way or I came up with a great way of explaining complicated things to regular people and getting them to understand what it meant and how it impacted their world. So that pattern of seeing the thing that I did and how it plays into my current situation and my current job and what I love about today is a great example of what we're about to do on kind of a bigger scale. And this is an exercise that I love so much So if you are in a car or you're driving or you are not hands-free, you can listen along, of course, and I think mentally you can kind of come up with the things that I'm going to talk about. It's going to go a little bit fast, so don't feel frustrated, please. I would encourage you to kind of bookmark this point. It's around the 20-minute mark in this episode and come back. Well, first, go download the worksheet when you're able to. And then come back to this 20-minute mark or so and listen again, okay? So I want to make sure you get the full experience. What we're going to do right now is a non-resume list of the things that you love and take a look for those patterns that then you'll see your multi-passionate superpower come through. I did this exercise It was actually led my by my very best friend, a retreat a long, long time ago, probably 10 years ago, and it this was so informative for me. And I will explain how once we get into it a little bit deeper. So first thing, if you're at your computer or you're able to write the second, go to jumpstartyourjoy.com slash multipod, M-U-L-T-I-P-O-D, jumpstartyourjoy.com slash multipod. And you'll see on that page a place where you can get to a worksheet. So Check that out. It's going to, so for those of you who are driving, I will try and describe this. The worksheet itself has five separate areas down the left side. And then it has several columns that we're going to fill out. What we're going to do right now, it'll take about 10 minutes. And in each of the areas of your past, and I've bracketed those as elementary school, high school, college, then 20s and 30s. And then lastly, 40s and beyond. If you are over 40, that is for you. You may not need all of them. If you are in your 30s, you don't need to clearly fill out the 40s and beyond. Those are the brackets of time in your life. And then in the first column, it is what I loved. So this is going to be a little bit hard as you probably are drive if you're driving. But think about when you were in elementary school, what were the classes, the hobbies, the games you played with friends, the the ways that you spent your spare time? What were the things that you loved? And it could be something like maybe you loved helping your mom set the table. Like It could be those kinds of things, or it could be I loved reading. I loved the Matchbox kids' cars or the boxcar children books. It could be any of those things, but I want you to list out five, the big five. And this is something, as you write these out, I don't want you to stop and judge. Like, tap into your heart right now. I'm touching my heart. If you need to take a moment, not while you're driving, but close your eyes and just think back to that time in elementary school. Who were you? Who was that little person? What did they love to do? And I want you to write those five things down. And I want you to repeat that. For high school? Maybe what were some of the clubs you were a part of? What did your friends do for fun? You know, you went and I don't know, played card games on Fridays or something. Like, what were the points that you loved about high school? Take a few minutes, write it down. And then college, your favorite classes. Maybe you did something on spring break and went and built houses with Habitat for Humanity or whatever. Partying could also be one of these. Totally cool if it is, because there's a connection point there, and we're going to discover that piece in just a moment. If you've done college, do 20s and 30s. If you didn't go to college, lump in those first few years after high school, before you're 20, then do 20s and 30s and 40s and beyond as it applies to you. For each of those, you're listing out that five things of what did you love. Okay. Now, Now that you've done it, hopefully you're smiling about all those things that brought you so much joy. I'll share that some of the things I wrote in those was that as a little kid, I loved drama. I loved it. I loved singing really loud in the church choir. Now notice, I said loud, and that was always the compliment. Not good, but loud. I also really loved Little House on the Prairie and wearing cowboy boots and a dress Later in high school, I loved drama again. In college, I studied drama. And so I started to see this theme of things that I love and that were a through line, right? Through the years of my life right there. Here's the next step. Again, if you're driving, you want to go get that spreadsheet when you can. But I want you to think about why. What's the why here of you loving each of these, what is it? 25 things. So, what you loved, but why? Why did you love drama? Why did you love playing cards with your friends? And maybe it's a word or two. You don't have to go very deep on this. It might be that you want to journal on some of these things later. And then our last column, and again, I'm moving fast, but would be what is the connection point for you? And this might take a little bit longer because. If you're thinking about drama, so I found that drama was in a bunch of mine, so I'll use that as an example, but drama for me represented a lot more than a class, right? It represented, the connection for me was talking with friends, being part of a group event, doing something that was a little bit, like I could live outside of my normal day to day. And I could see Little House on the Prairie was very similar. Like when I watched that, I was in so so much of Laura Ingalls Wilder being such a tomboy and like going after the things that she wanted and, you know, learning how to deal with frustrations of Nellie Olson. Like those things all really resonated for me. And so I think when I look at connection, drama would be, you know, working with people and being in front of an audience. Clearly, I love that. (laughs) And you can see that that ties through. And then other things start, what was the connection point? So if you can figure those things out, it's a word. It's probably becomes when you boil it down, those connection points are also your values, I would imagine. And that's not not necessarily what this exercise is meant to show you. But I bet when you look at that, if you boil that down to what was the connection point, the top five things there really are your core values and what makes you excited. Not where we're going today. we could do that another episode, <laughs> but now, what do you have? I bet you have a list of things where you can start to see that pattern of what your many passions are, what your many interests are, and what some of your key superpowers are as a result of those interests right so in in the example of drama, when I finished up this exercise ten years ago. I was aware that I was feeling disconnected from joy, probably, in many ways. And I could see at the bottom of this this sheet that drama is one of the things I love. And I could see that there was nothing about dramatics in my life at all at that moment. There was no dramatic arts, right? It was a lot of work. I was gaming a lot. I played a lot of World of Warcraft. (laughs) But I wasn't making time for the dramatic arts and the connection therein. And so what did I do? I made a vow and I want you to do this too. I want you, if you're feeling disconnected, to pick one of those things that stands out as one of the things you loved so much in the past and find a way to bring it into the now, right? So maybe singing in the church choir or whatever is not my way of doing that connection point right now. But for me at that time, it was that I discovered that there was a drama school in San Francisco right near where I was working, like literally within two blocks, because law of attraction comes into play when you start to say, I want to do more of that. And so I went and started taking classes there. And I felt alive and amazing and connected. And well, you know, there's no no doubt in my mind. It's because, of course, that's one of my, I loved that thing. And I just needed to find a new way to do it now. And then drama and, you know, I we did scene work and all that kind of thing. And then I found one of the teachers there did improv. And so I took that class and then I got involved with Bay Area Theater Sports. And like it really opened up a lot of things for me. And improv is amazing because obviously it kind of teaches you to trust yourself in a new way and share ideas in a new way and know that the thing that you're going to say next is something that nobody else on the whole planet was about to say. And that's where the funniness of it comes from. And that's how it lands with an audience. There's a lot of the skill set of improv that is so close to life coaching, except you're just not going for humor, right? So I could see how those two things also relate so strongly together. (laughs) So your takeaway there, what are your big connection points? What do you, what do you, who feels maybe a little disconnected from joy at this moment, what do you need to go do? Here's the action point for you. What do you need to go do right after you write all this down and this episode is over to go find something that brings you more joy, that makes you feel more connected? And how can you start to see your superpowers, you know, connection, laughter, seeing new things in new light and connecting with people and showing people the best parts of themselves. Those would be mine that came out of this exercise. How can you start to see those for you? So write them down. I want you to write them down because writing things down is super powerful. And we'll get into, if you're looking at that worksheet, there's one last part of that. Don't feel like you need to do it right now because we're going to take a minute right now and segue back into expertise. The second part of this show is diving in to what makes an expert. And I think this is a really kind of interesting question, especially when we juxtapose it against what is a multi-passionate, right? So back to that, we're somebody that has a lot of interests and we jump maybe very quickly and very often from topic to topic. In doing that, sometimes it doesn't feel or it didn't feel to me like I really had expertise in one thing. I was, you know, a jack of all trades, a master of none. It's even a saying, right? But I don't think it's necessarily true. Part of why we just did that exercise is I'm guessing that part of what you just wrote down, while it was a non-resume, some of it is your resume, right? Some of it, hopefully, was things that you've done in the past that lead you up to be the professional career person or the business owner that you are right this second. So if you're doubting your own expertise as a multi-potentialite, I want you to look at that list. Now, if your list was mostly about the things that brought you joy and it doesn't necessarily reflect your career, go to your LinkedIn page, right? Between those two things, if I handed you the CV, the Curriculum Vitae, or that list of things that you've done to somebody else and said, hey, do you think this person?" has the expertise to do XYZ, I bet you would look at that list of experience and that list of things that they have done and say, well, yeah, they could speak on that topic. Yeah, look at all those things they've done. I would consider them an expert in a certain field. A little bit hard in a non without an example, so I will give you this one. I have since come to call myself an expert at joy. Because I've been doing this for almost four years at this point, and I've had 146 conversations about joy, and I've finally owned that I am an expert at joy. I also know a fair deal about podcasting. So these, and if I showed you, you know, my CV of all the conversations I've had about joy, I think you would nod and say, yeah, sure, you're an expert in joy. And so I want you to find and own The equivalent of that for you, right? It might be, I don't know, education. And you could say, look, I've taught so many different people, so many different kinds of things. I'm an expert in alternative education. There you go. So start to play with that because I think something opens up for you when you start to own your own expertise or own that you are a subject matter expert in how joy and podcasting, for example, come together and make something new. Or in my case, also, project management and joy and podcasting and consulting come together and make something new. And that's what I could be a subject matter expert in. It's a niche, sure, but it's an expertise. And it's something, I mean, if you're looking for marketable skills, there you go. I mean, that's how you hone in on that. And that's a different topic too, is how do you make money as a multi-passionate or a multi-potentialate? You could go read Emily Wapnick's book, How to Be Everything, and she goes through that. I would highly recommend it. Or she talks about it in the last episode when she talked about her book. So I will link up to that. But I really want you to take a few minutes and revisit that idea of expertise if it's been a challenge for you and step into the role, even if it feels a little uncomfortable or scary or like you need courage to get there, as I am an expert at fill in the blank. Now, if you will get out your worksheet one last time, let's talk about your area of expertise. Of course, I never do anything where the first part of what we do wouldn't tie into the second part. So get out that worksheet. Look at it. Look at those connector points. Look at the things. Maybe you circle them. If you haven't, do circle them, you know, or highlight them or put a star or a heart around the things that like, hey, this keeps showing up. These are my superpowers. And then I want us to rewrite our own human job description. As I said, when I presented this the first time, I used to work with this guy named Kyle. He was a vendor and his company, the company he worked with did a lot of beautiful high end website design and build. And we were doing this big video shoot, like a video site. It was. It was a really great project and I loved working on it. And one of the things that really stood out for me about Kyle is that when we talked on the phone, there was an ease and there was, I felt like he could just, he could help me with anything like, and he was there for us. And even though the project didn't always go as well as projects can, and that's just a truth about projects, right? There's always going to be something that comes up. Kyle, it was clear he was there for us and that he wanted the best for us. And I remember I got the chance to meet him a couple times and I said, You know, Kyle, it's such a joy to work with and if I ever say it's a joy too, that means I'm really it's a deep compliment for me. I find this true of myself. Kyle, it's such a joy to work with you and your company. And he said, Well, you know that's part of my my personal mission. It doesn't come from the company necessarily, but I have made it my mission. So that every time I talk to someone, they leave that conversation, hopefully feeling like I've been able to help them in some way. So that's part of the mission. How can I help? And the other one is, how can I make you look good at what you do? And I was blown away by this. I even, you know, there was an early blog post about this, which I can link to as well, but how can I make you help you look good in what you do? And if you can come from that place of knowing, My human job description, he didn't use those words, but that's what I'll call it. My human purpose, my human job description here is to do this. That's what I want you to write down. That's step two. And it's at the bottom of the worksheet. If you're driving a car, you're doing your gardening, think about it with us. The first part of the human job description is probably what your actual job is, right? It's your career. So mine goes like this. I'm a project manager for digital marketing. That part's easy, right? That's the specialist. That's almost the specialist side of this expertise. The next part of this is the human job description. And mine goes like this. And I don't want you to compare yourself to me. <laughs> I wrote this out and had time to think about it. And I've been working at it for years. But it's I'm also a joyful human connector who calls in the truth when I see it, identifies patterns and ecosystems and behaviors, and helps people find that part of themselves that they may have forgotten along the way. So there you go. Those are things that all came out when I would have written out what's the connection of all those things that I loved in the various points of my life. And so for you, I want you to write out your human job description. It goes, I am a blank who does blank. That's the first part. I'm a project manager who does digital marketing. And I'm also a blank who helps or does blank for blank so what do you also do you're also a mothering soul who helps children find their place in the world through education i don't know <laughs> making these things up i don't know you you know you and i want you to write that down and i want you to write it down somewhere that it goes near your computer or your desk so that when you have a conversation with a client, when you have a day that feels really super hard, you can see it. You can see, yeah, here's my very linear service-based, specialist-based job description. I'm a project manager who does digital marketing. Yes, I am. And then when that hard day comes up or you're interacting with a client and you need a little bitty reminder of what the deeper truth is of what you do and why you do it and why you're here, when you need to reconnect with those puzzle pieces that show the broader picture of your life, I want you to have that second part of your human job description available for you to look at, right? So if I'm questioning why am I doing this, if I'm saying this feels hard, where is my expertise I feel like I'm getting battle, you know, beaten around at work one day. Well, you know what? I'm also a joyful human connector who calls in truth when I see it, identifies patterns and ecosystems and behaviors. And I help people find that part of themselves that they may have forgotten along the way. When I can act towards that truth, I bet I'm going to turn my day around. Right. It also calls me to try and remember those pieces of myself that I may have forgotten right? I'm doing that for myself as well in my own human job description. So I would love to hear from you guys. If you have tried this out, I would love to hear how it goes. And you can email me at paula at jumpstartyourjoy.com. I hope this really connected for you and I hope you got a lot out of it. And again, a huge thanks to Nicole and Mandisha. Thanks you guys for asking to hear more about these two topics. Also, if you have a topic that you might like for me to address, I'd be so happy to bring it up. Next week on the show is the last interview, not the last episode, but the last interview for season three, and it is with Heather Chauvin. She is a podcaster at Mom is in Control. She is also a cancer survivor. And she and I talk about finding that space of finding confidence in yourself in finding confidence as yourself in yourself as a mother which i think is hard because sometimes kids are so difficult to deal with and finding your way back to joy even when you've been dealt a hand that is definitely not what you would have chosen and seeing you know how do you come back from a place and a diagnosis like cancer so It is a really lovely conversation and she is simply amazing. I hope that you'll come back next week to hear that conversation with Heather. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.